Hi, uh, wait, welcome to the Dating Advisory Board. I've got Bob London here today, President and CEO at London Inc. He's also a contributing blogger at the Washington Business Journal, friend of mine for a long time, and I often run into him at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I know, I love it. Um, I, I love that Bob's on the show today because one of the most integral pieces that I use on a daily basis based on um, his being a CMO uh, and virtual CMO is that going in and actually looking at how your clients are doing business. Are you bringing value to your clients? Because if you're not going in there and, you know, there's 20 other vendors like right up, you know, ready to walk in the door and take your client. So you have to create some sort of loyalty. So, Bob, I want you to talk about that for a minute, and I'll show you how I, that applies in the dating world, or at least how I think it would okay. apply in the dating world. Okay. We can talk about that, too, but how I've done that actually in business to my okay. clients right now. Oh, good. Well, yeah. first of all, I'm thrilled to uh, be here, but I'm thrilled that anything I said, someone remembered it and maybe used it in a business context because that's the goal, right? Yeah. So I, I think what I've learned over the years, especially being in marketing and being a part of I call it the marketing industrial complex, this big group of companies that's selling marketing services and software and things like that, that it's a lot of it is about talking at the market. Very little of the um, sort of the focus is on the listening piece. And so what I started doing uh, a number of years ago, uh, and, it, and it's, it's had a phenomenal impact on my client's business, which is the point, but also on my consulting practice, which is to do, I call it agendaless listening. So in other words, you go in, um, I, I will talk to my clients periodically, unannounced, and just talk about, I'll, I'll ask them straight out, how do you think things are going? Because first of all, you can't be afraid of the answer. Right. Uh, you want to know the answer, but not enough people ask for feedback and then actually listen. And so that's also something I, I've started to do with, uh, does that sound? Sounds familiar in both scenarios. In the dating world, yes. I almost remember what that was like. Um, so I think uh, what, what I counsel my clients to do and sometimes what I do for them is go and talk to my clients' customers to, to uncover uh, what I call their elevator rant. What are the things that they may be bitching and moaning about, about a particular vendor or a situation that they haven't expressed to my client, but they, they'll, they'll complain on the elevator all day long. And it's kind of a corollary to this thing we all know of called the elevator pitch. Yeah. And uh, I just got tired of hearing all these really rehearsed, stiff, irrelevant elevator pitches. And I thought the reason they're irrelevant is because they're not addressing you know, a problem. They're just talking about themselves. So let's give an example about that. And I know that you were um, a buddy of ours, Tian Wong, puts on a Connectpreneur, uh, and it was an unbelievable turnout in, in Maryland. Five, over Moco. Five, Moco County. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But um, so it was in Bethesda, uh, and they had over 500 exactly this. I think, was that the biggest one that he, he has had? By I mean, it was packed. By like 40% bigger than the ones in Virginia. Wow. Where I don't live. Right. Yeah. So you still have that Maryland VA border. <laughs> I just, no, I've lived. I'm one of the few people in this area who's lived in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Okay. But I don't have any borders, although I do carry a passport to get to Virginia. <laughs> but I'm in Virginia every day. Yeah. So there yeah. it is. That's yeah. where all the business seems to be happening, except for yesterday when it was happening in Bethesda. There. Wow. Yeah. So that's... um. But yeah, so way to go, Tian. Shout out to you. But um, I know that you help some of the presenters. Yes. So let's talk about that. Some, oh, my Give gosh. me some examples of how you could help with pitches in business and how you could help with pitching. And I want you to give a pitch for how I would pitch Dating Advisory Board or okay. as a person. So, how you would pitch. Yeah. So 
I'm not picking on any one company when I say this. And, and in fact, it applies to almost every company that that I run into that that is about to do a pitch at, let's say, an investors conference like the one we were at yesterday uh, that Tian Wong put on. And that is uh, they come in with their details about their software. They come in with details about how much money they want to raise. They come in with details, 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 and they work backwards to get it down to like a six-minute pitch, forgetting the fact that the audience has no idea where they're starting from. Mm -hmm. The audience has no idea how to get involved with this pitch because they start getting jargon to death, you know, from the first slide, technology or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the main thing that all these companies have to do is do this like gut-wrenching, like get out of your skin and get into the audience's skin and understand what they need to hear to make sense of this, which means the first thing you do is uh, you come up with an anecdote about how you, as a founder of a company, uh, experienced a problem firsthand and do that in a way the audience can relate to and say, I saw this problem. It's a gigantic problem. Uh, like, I'll use an, a recent example that, um, you know, car dealers, you would think that they have a way of tracking their inventory because their inventory averages like, you know, a car. It's like a $40,000 thing. Mm-hmm. You would think that they have a sophisticated way of tracking electronically all where, where every car is at any given time. And it turns out that they don't. Even the biggest uh, sort of the, the car, the, the, the companies that have um, rolled up car dealerships like CarMax, AutoNation, and those companies don't really have, according to this entrepreneur, anything going. But he didn't talk about that. He didn't talk about the problem. He just said, I have, so-, you know, in a very dry way, he says, you know, here are the facts. I have some software that can help auto dealers track their inventory. But that doesn't mean anything unless you understand the pain point that the dealerships have. Wow. So every, you know... Almost every presenter comes in looking at it from their perspective. My job, and the same with my clients, is to get them to look at things from the customer's perspective. Correct. It's all perspective. And don't you think the people that <clears throat> they're going to pitch, right? So they, you know, they bring their kind of personality. You know, it, it's different if you're just reading from a slide deck and you're just talking like this, and because it's hard for as an audience, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to look at my phone. Yep. I mean. So, I mean, that's, you know, and there was a couple presenters. One was actually my client yesterday that he did really well. I mean, he did. He did really well. And so I was like, wow, I I did not go on my phone. (laughs) You know, he went on there. So bringing out that personality, trying to bring out where you're uncomfortable. You may be in dating. Like if you're uncomfortable, like going up to talk to someone. That's a a great point. So yesterday I, I actually wrote this down that, Dear presenters, when you go up on stage, keep your personality with you. Don't leave it behind because that's the fastest way to lose the audience. I know these people have personalities. I can imagine them on the weekend, on a boat, on the Chesapeake Bay or at a fire pit talking to people and being funny. And then they get up on stage and they feel like they have to force everything through this really corporate speak, jargony Mm -hmm. lens. Just I'm not sure why. And and the audience, you're right. The audience, most of the people start to look down. Do you remember when the audience was really paying attention? Do you yep. remember this one? <laughs> that was brilliant. Speaking of dating. Yeah. She, she, or something. Yeah. She was. Uh, she bought some toys. That was interesting. Um, <laughs> that was a... People that, were people, riveted. You know, but guess what? Mostly it, men. But they were all talking about it. Yeah. So she did a really smart... She was smart, smart, smart. I for, agree. For bringing that into Connectpreneur because everybody was talking about it. Right. Right. So it got everyone's attention. Now, but maybe it was her personality, too. Maybe. You know, it could have been that. Because um, I walked by the booth. The booth was packed. I'll bet. It was. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was actually kind of interesting. You know, I was talking to a couple of people. Can we say that it was a company promoting, it was a, a website for women specializing in sex toys for women? Yeah. 
Okay, so the reason it's important to say that is so you guys, uh, the audience, yeah, they, don't. They know. It's yeah. not a mystery, it's right? A we mystery. can say it. We can say it because it's uh, it's a tribute to them that you know they have this business idea, but that they're getting out and pitching it in a very unvarnished way. They're like using all the graphic words that yeah. you would expect to be associated with that world in front of an audience of mostly middle-aged white men, but you know they're others. All executives. I mean, they're big founders, you know, CEOs. So it's just interesting that she just didn't care. You know, she just went out there and she, and I'm like, you go sister. You know, I mean, I was like, this is, this is amazing. So (laughs) keep them with the tribe. Yeah. So she, but I think she did a good job of understanding things from her audience's perspective. And maybe she disregarded what the audience's perspective would be like, I don't care if they're uncomfortable. I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. Very compelling. I mean, it was funny that I had this one guy, I mean, he was probably 60s that was t- standing talking he's like it's a really good idea they send you stuff every couple months and i was like what <laughs> so it's a, <laughs> like, it's a scr- subscription so, to set a box of sex toys every few months yeah and i was like that's for women. brilliant yeah for women i'm like that's brilliant i mean i it was just i'm not going to comment on no, it no i know I, but I'm i just think saying. it's uh the fact that we're sitting here talking about it is the point so it got the point so that her pitch got across right so i'm not saying that that's how you pitch in a in a, in a bar or right. in a, you know wherever a you bar, are bar. no no this probably wouldn't be good but you know being yourself yes being authentic authentic yeah that's the word we were talking about earlier yeah so being authentic being yourself don't be afraid um to put yourself out there and don't really does it, at the end of the day, the speech or six minutes is going to be over when you're done pitching your story. Yeah. Can I add something to what you just said? You used the word don't be afraid. So my perspective is that, you know, when you talk to your kids, whatever, if they're afraid, they're afraid. I, if I tell them not to be afraid, they're not sure what to do with that. This is when they were much younger. Maybe today, too. I don't know. So I'm a big believer in if you're afraid, just realize that you're afraid. That's the only way you're going to get past it and say, you know, it's the old, what's the worst that can happen? And it's kind of a behavioral psychology thing. It's just, you know, just do the, do the behavior you want and the good things will follow. But if you're afraid, you're afraid. It's normal to be afraid if you go up on stage in front of 500 people. Well, right. Afraid's not the right word. Right. I shouldn't say that. Anxious. <clears throat> Tentative. Tentative. But they get, they stiffen up. You're right. Yeah. They, they, they just, they get nervous and. Something. Something. But Something. it's, I mean, that's what everybody talks about. It's, you know, scary talking, you know, when you get out of your comfort zone and. Have you spoken to large groups of people? Long time ago. Besides the two million people that are listening yeah. to this? No, I don't see you. You're not there. <laughs> no, but um, but you know, I would get nervous, and then at the end of the day, it's so funny when I told my one uh, one of my coworkers, she's going to be on the show, Nairi, where we're talking about you know selling, and you know, I've been with selling phones, phone systems for eleven years, and and she was really upset one day, and I said, I looked at her, I'm like, Nairi. It's just phones, <laughs> you know, and then you just that little thing. I said, don't you're just presenting. These people are normal people. It doesn't matter. It's phones. Right. So and then she said, put it Thank in you perspective. For, you put it in perspective and then hopefully that it resonates with them. But but yeah, I mean, just when you're so if you are pitching a person like if you're because you're like you are your own pitch now. I mean, wouldn't you? That's the thing about the dating thing is like you are the product. And that's the fascinating thing about it, I think. Yeah. I hate to say it like product, but you know yeah. what I mean. Right. So how do you build your product? I mean, from a, like a marketing... Lots of plastic surgery. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big believer that if you're going to change your personal brand, what better place to start? Like if I was dating, I'd have to revisit a lot of things, you know. Uh, not that I don't care about it now, but I just... Uh, no, I, I've joked about that, that like changing your personal brand or evolving your personal brand, what could be more personal than 
your appearance. So, right. and not just your clothes, like right, actual clothes. facial features and hair and things like that. Right. Yeah. I've seen some, some people, you know, they change their entire wardrobe. They look completely different. I've seen that too. I know. And, um, I've had people say, Oh, well, what should I wear? What should I do? And I'm like, really? That's so interesting. You know, cause you don't really look you mean at because it. it goes back to like, be authentic. Don't worry about it. Or, right. well, I mean, it was just like that. They're asking that they're asking a group of like, it was a, you know, Hey, what should I wear on this date or whatever, whatever? Because they, you know, had, were not in the hadn't been in the dating world for a long time. I see. So they they were going back to the gym. It's interesting because you can kind of see like when they really start working on like what is this transformation going on? Because you know you don't really know on Facebook, you know, because everyone's <laughs> telling the truth on Facebook, right? Your lives are perfect, <laughs> you know. But I, oh, go ahead. No, no, are you, I know what you're going to say with that. So go ahead. No, I. Uh, it's, a, it's a little sad. So a woman that I worked with 25 years ago got in touch on Facebook, and I guess she had been spending some time on my photos, and she, set, she sent me a message on Facebook that said, I just wanted to say hi and let you know that it's great that you have such a healthy relationship with your wife. And I'm thinking, I don't understand. I'm, I'm hoping that she didn't draw a conclusion from the fact that we're smiling in the pictures, all okay. of us. Now, I do have a healthy relationship with my wife, a lot of give and take. But the point is, drawing a conclusion from someone you haven't talked to in 15 years, maybe, or 20 years, and just because we're happy in the Facebook pictures, it made me very sad that people think that, by the way. Yeah. I thought it was very sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, I texted her back and said, thanks. Yes, everything's awesome. <laughs> you know, I don't know what to say. Right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, I mean, there's certain things that people go through. There's, you know, tough times, but can't put it on Facebook because then they're like, oh, look. Yeah, you tell your friends. You, you don't put it friends. on Facebook. I know. But there are some people that do. They, I mean. Oh, I know. I mean, they will just put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what would you say if you had two seconds to pitch? Two seconds. Okay, well. <laughs> All right, maybe. Uh, go ahead. So to pitch the dating advisory board. Right. How so would if, you pitch it? Uh, and, and if, so if, who am I pitching it to? That's, so the audience is the audience. first part. To someone who is in the dating world right okay so i would say that there are certain things that have applied in sort of in the marketing and sales world in corporate america and there are people who are experts in those things and actually if you look at what they're experts in a lot of it applies to the dating world so if you watch this uh these videos what you get out of it is a sense of like, hey, I got one idea about how I can handle myself differently in the dating scene that's based on actually the way companies market themselves in the real world. I knew I couldn't do it yeah. in two no, seconds. No, that's really good. That's but I also think really it's, good. I would say also that it's kind of authentic and entertaining mm -hmm. way to do it, to get that information. Yeah, just trying to help other people because it helps in business I think you too. should pitch it to investors personally. Well, that's I know why Tien I was Tien said, and he said. He this could be worldwide. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big believer in the concept. Thanks. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. You bet. You. You bet. Um, how do you think the technology game has changed? Uh, I mean, your sons are, I mean, are they always in the phone? Is it, I mean, just. Truthfully, yes. Um, they are, I, mean, I think that, that they're balanced. I mean, they play sports, they do stuff, they're with their friends, but yeah, they're on their phone. But part of what we have to realize is, and I'm not, I'm not justifying how much kids are on their phone, that's how they get their news. Mm -hmm. So in other words, there have been some things in the news, like serious news things, that my kids don't read the Washington Post. They don't go to WashingtonPost.com, whatever. They know about stuff. And the way they know about it is through Twitter, sometimes Snapchat, uh, and Facebook, and that they hear things about, oh, there was a bombing in Paris. And you know, if they're not watching CNN, how do they know? They know from the front. So 
they are in between all the bits and bytes of gossip or whatever teenagers are doing on their phones and who knows what else. They're getting some legitimate information that's educating them a little bit. Right. Yeah, I um, one of your I love drive time marketing. Thank so let, you. Like, let's talk about that for a minute because there's one episode that I just love. No, thank you. Yeah, like the handyman shortage. Oh right, yeah. right, right. So, because I want to talk. Yes, about let's that. pick on teenagers some yeah. more. Yeah, millennials. let's pick on the millennials. Um, but no, I mean, I think uh, so. Let's talk about the drive time marketing. Yeah. So tell t- tell the listeners what drive time marketing. Well, do you want me to tell? So do you want me to tell follow up on what this one was? This yeah. particular episode. I, I thought this was very interesting. Yeah. So. The short introduction is I do. I started doing a video blog kind of by accident because I was spending a lot of time in my car and I, I was going to take audio notes just for different clients and things like that and record my thoughts. And it turned out that the video camera function was an easier way to record my thoughts. So I post, put it on a little suction cuppy thing and I was driving for an hour and a half and I video, videotaped. And it turned out that I think much better driving in the car than I do here <laughs> or other places. And so Next thing you know, I had a, a regular series of videos of me driving and talking. It was all safe. I didn't do anything while I was actually driving. So this particular episode that you're talking about, about the handyman, was that I have a sort of a humorous but scary theory that in the future, um, maybe five years, ten years from now, handymen will be able to make $1 million a year yeah. because no one will know how to do anything. Or use a drill. Use it. Well, I mean, okay, let me give you the example. I want to I I assess that All when right. you're done. Let me give you an, a couple examples. So we, most of us know that dryers have a lint trap. Yeah. And, and most of us know that you have to clean it once in a while. Yeah. And then most of us know that if you don't clean it, something bad could happen. It could be a fire. Right. Kids that are, you know, I don't, I know that most kids I know don't know that. Most millennials might not know that. So one day there's going to be a lot of lint. And this, first of all, the stuff's not going to be dry. And they're going to say, why isn't it dry? And they're going to have to call a handyman. And the handyman will be able to charge $1,000 to clean out the lint trap. So I think handyman will be very wealthy. They're going to be doing webinars on how to clean your lint trap. And they're going to be generating leads just like big businesses do. Right. Everyone, and so the good news is your kid, if he's handy, he could be a handyman and make a million dollars a year. Oh, yeah. But they're a little bit helpless, I think. Yeah. No, no it, it's, it's interesting because I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Michigan. And my dad, um, we call him Bob Vila because he's, I mean, constant molding of the house. I mean, there's molding going on over here. I walk in for my sister's wedding Not last year. Not mold. Week. No, mold, like crown molding. Yes. Just putting, like, oh, crown, crown molding molds. everywhere. And I'm like, Bob Vila, stop. I'm just trying to get in the door. <laughs> and then there's there's boards. Oh, we decided during my sister's wedding weekend, they decided to redo the floors. I'm like, you just couldn't have done it another week, but it was funny. Uh, but it was interesting because he taught me a lot. And, and, you know, how to use a drill, you know, and then I move here and it's a little different. You know, it's everybody's so quick to to call, make a call. And and it was funny when they were like, well, you know, what are you, you know, you're dating? And I was like, I just want a guy that knows how to use a drill. <laughs> More ways than one, but I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> Very nice. No, but I'm just saying. Okay, like, I, I, I know. <laughs> but when when I was talking to my girlfriends, they're like, yeah, like it's. It's, it's, it's hard to find someone that knows how to work around the house without calling someone. Like, all my friends, they're like, oh, do you know someone? Like, well, who's your handyman? I'm like, what? You know? And so it was just very interesting when I moved who's here. Handyman? Who's your handyman? It's like, who's your dentist? Yeah, right, exactly. But, I mean, we call them, and then, like, this, the one row calls. I mean, it's so, it's so interesting. But I try to teach my kids, 
you know, here's and my aunt, perfect example. She's an interior designer, Cindy Byer Designs in Reston, Virginia. She, I said, we do you want, do you want to give the phone number while you're yeah, I know. Well, I mean, you can Google it. Okay. Yeah, but she's really amazing. And so she, I said, we let's do videos how to hang pictures, right? So if you're an interior designer, I mean, how can you show? Because most people don't know. How to, to you like professionally hang a picture right like you need to have the mollies you need to have the nail you need to have the level you need to have x y and z here are all the things especially if it's a bigger one or if it's the right size or it's the right so having that video would be really interesting i agree right i just it's a little concerning and i don't always like to joke about it because it, it there's a whole category of things that um, some, I don't want to pick on millennials, but the people in their 20s and certainly kids coming up that are in high school now have never learned to do, I'll just say in our neighborhood, in our part of Montgomery right. County, because everything is outsourced. Everything is outsourced. And so I don't know how I got to do it. My dad taught me nothing. I, I mean, he was a great guy and everything, but we had one screwdriver in the house. It was never in the same drawer twice. And so somehow... I just understood, uh, you know, when I had my own household, how to get stuff done. And we actually have a, an electronic level. It's very cool. It projects a beam, like a laser beam on the yeah. walls and all that stuff. Oh, and that's cool. I mean, I just, I don't know. It's, it's kind of. You just got to figure it out. And people are like, how do you do all this stuff? I was like, you don't really have a choice. Well, you know, the, I mean, you have to figure <laughs> it out. So we have a choice. We could hire someone. Hire, yeah. But the reality is that I've got, there are things that need to be done. I don't love doing them. But once I get them done, it's pretty satisfying. Right. Yeah. A self, uh, sense of accomplishment. Absolutely. Have a beer afterwards. Have <laughs> a beer. Um, do you think, here, I have a funny thing about text, about, okay, so you and I are probably in the same, when you, we used to call and talk to people on the phone. Yeah. Right? So in business, are you seeing it and in dating, the talking versus email or texts or even just emojis, talking yeah. just through emojis? So the lack of actual, really, you know, because these text messages could be interpreted very differently, same yeah. as an email versus picking up the phone and calling someone. Yeah, so it's interesting. I'm a big email person, more than a phone person. Uh, I've gotten better on the phone. I mean, I talk fine on the phone, but I just, I don't know. I'd rather email. And it's, you know, it's, I've had some people comment on it a few times, so I've had to revisit whether that's, you know, something I, like, do you know, I need to get on the phone more. But clearly, people are more comfortable. I mean, I have clients that I text with now because I know that it'll cut through all the loads of email they have. Right. I'll text them. I'm still careful about grammar and watch what I say and all that. But I'm, I mean, I'm in my 50s. If it's like that for me, th there's a whole generation coming up that they have to learn how to use email when they get into the working world. The dating scene, I can only imagine what goes on. Oh, I, can, yeah. I mean, I, I have a sense of, um, you know, sending pictures back and forth, and I've oh, heard yeah. some stories I've heard about some that. Some stories, too. yeah. Some stories about like, is that a gift that you're sending me? A yeah. picture of that? Yeah. Like, is that for me? Really? Thanks. Yeah. So. Um, and things. then if you see it twice, you're like, wait, did you just send it to multiple people? <laughs> because I just got it. <laughs> yeah, is that a marketing strategy? Yeah, is that a marketing strategy? Let's do an email blast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's email blast it and see what kind of customers, you know. Right, let's see what our open yeah. rate is on right, the email. Like, click-through rate. Click-through rate. <laughs> it's crazy. No, I love it. So do you have any uh, funny, interesting uh, stories from your friends? Because I'm sure you have friends out there that are back in the dating world about websites and going online and so um well first of all obviously i don't have any technology dating stories because i've been married happily for 19 years 
So I haven't been dating for at least a year. No, I'm just kidding. I haven't <laughs> That's been dating. So one of them was, um, it was very interesting. The guy, was a good friend of mine, put an ad online. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember where. Yeah. And he got, uh, he got a fair number of responses. And he started dating, uh, I think separately from that, he met someone and started dating. So one of, he went back one day to look at his responses and he sees one and he says, you know what? I think she'd be a great match for my single friend. So he introduced them okay. and they went on and dated. So it was almost like forwarding something, you know? Right. Can you, can you, I don't know if you can do that in dating apps. Can you say like Tinder, I, yeah, is there a swipe in a different direction where you can say, it's not for me, but I want to forward it to my friend. Can you do that? Yeah, I mean, I know that you can, I think so. Are you a Tinder? I don't know. No. Okay, me either. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm sure. And if not, you need to look into that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard stories that are not so much the technical interaction, the technology, but what happens, you know, face-to-face Face, and all yeah. that stuff is just, uh, you know, I guess that's timeless. It hap- it's that those stories don't change very much. So yeah. the technology piece, I think... I, I think it's it's very interesting to me. I don't think I would like being swiped left or right. You know, like I that's just not my thing. I I was never in a place where I would say, hey, I'm going to do that and I'm going to live with uh, whatever the results are. Right. You know, people like it, people don't. I'd, I'd rather not know. I just that's just been my thing. Yeah. So I'm glad I'm not single. I guess yeah, right that's now. That's good. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, we only have a few more minutes left sure. today. So so tell us some of the stuff that you are. How people can get in touch with you. Things that are you're working on coming up. Yeah. Or looking for and clients and so forth. Oh, so I work again. So I'll say what I do. I help companies figure out if they've particularly if they their growth has slowed or if they've hit a plateau or something like that, or they feel like their competition has caught up, or they feel like their pitch is the same as everybody else's. Usually that's a symptom of a, an issue that goes a little deeper. And so and for certain companies, I go in and I will um, do a market assessment that features interviewing my clients' customers, which I alluded to before. Why is that important? Because most often we tend to make decisions sitting across from each other inside of the company. Um, you know, on, on the second floor of a conference, you know, a conference room, whatever, we're in this insulated bubble. And if you don't go out and get the customer's perspective, you're at risk of really falling behind. So, right. And I've, I have a, a million case studies where that process of listening to the customer has helped surface new insights, innovations, growth, all that stuff. So that's what I do. I go in and help companies do that. They're usually technology companies, but sometimes they're professional services companies usually under 50 million in revenue. Um, they usually don't have a senior marketing executive. They, don't, they have maybe a marketing director who's someone who's great at getting things done but is not able to coach the CEO in a strategic problem type of situation where they're saying, we don't know what's wrong. So I'm, you know, people have called me the marketing doctor in a way that you come in and do a diagnosis. Um, but, but we talked about this before, and I want to get back to the dating thing because I think that uh, there's an analogy here where if you – you have to know your target audience, right? But in order to know your target audience, you kind of, I think you have to understand uh, where, what your strengths are and maybe what your weaknesses are. And I would say that uh, a great thing that, that, that I would consider is if you're dating, is to go out and talk to your trusted friends, it's like your closest. Your trusted advisors, your, tr- your yeah, tribe. Your, yeah, or your dating advisory board. Yeah. Um, and you say, look, what do you think I'm strong at in relationships. What have you heard me complaining about over and over that I might not be strong at? 
And the reason is to identify, you know, what, what you really want. And because if you don't know what you want, you may end up somewhere you don't want to be. And the other side of it is that if you, if your friends, if they're candid, they'll tell you that you have weaknesses. Those weaknesses are not necessarily things that you need to change. They're things that you need to understand so that the person that you end up with will accept those weaknesses along with the rest of you. Yeah. So otherwise you have like a long battle ahead of you. Right. Exactly. They yeah. should find so alignment. Listen to, listen to people. Listen to people you trust is what my point is, you know, and you don't have to do everything they said, but we're all talking. No one's listening anymore, you know? Right. They need to listen like you listen to your customers. Listen to what they say. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, Bob. And thank you so much for joining me today at the Dating Advisory Board. And everybody have a great absolutely. day. Absolutely. It was a highlight of my week for <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, good. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. Thank you.